Hello, welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. What's up, Pat? Nothing much. Just sitting here, chilling at the house. Just went downstairs and saw that... uh, <laughs> for a birthday present, uh, somebody ordered me a 23andMe kit, and that just that just showed up at the house. So I'm uh, just working up some spit, getting ready to find out um, just how you know how white I am. So, <laughs> yeah, very exciting uh, to find out what kind of white you are. Yeah, what a journey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just really excited to figure out, like, just you know what. Just what, don't what, don't do it if any of your relatives are uh, have wanted criminals, because yeah, you yeah. never know. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, that very true, very true. And um, my family definitely probably has a few wanted criminals in it. So sorry, <laughs> you might guys. Get contacted. Yeah. No, I, I've always like been really like fascinated by like like the the history of like human migration patterns, like what like yeah. the genomes unlocking. And I'm seeing this girl, and I was at her place, and she was asleep on the couch, and I was watching my nerd ass haplogroup videos that I watch on YouTube, <laughs> and which from. Uh, for, can sound racist if you don't know what I'm looking at. Like, yeah, just... no, no. I was just going to say, like, I find that stuff super interesting, too. Like, uh, studies of people's, like, mitochondrial DNA and stuff yeah. to figure out where people came from. It's really interesting. But, like, if you're just sort of clicking around, you can get into, like, a weird yeah. part <laughs> yeah. of the internet, like, real quick yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, my, uh, the, the, the girl I'm seeing is not, uh, is, is not white. And she was just like, did they just say sub-Saharan? And I was like, okay, yes, they did. But <laughs> it's purely geographical. <laughs> <laughs> but she woke up and heard me listening to that nerd shit and just, like, on the sly ordered me a 23andMe, which I thought was pretty Oh, tight. that's nice. That's a very yeah. nice, uh, yeah, because I feel yeah. like if she wakes up and hears you listening to that shit there's two ways that can go <laughs> yeah, yeah, she can be. the other way is not as good as her ordering you a 23 and me kid. yeah yeah one is ordering a 23 and me kid the other one is ordering me to fucking leave the room you know right <laughs> ordering me out of her house exactly <laughs> yeah so i got that so i'm just you know over here working up spit getting ready to to see just what very can exciting I, what can i do with my hair you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what a 23andMe is for. Is yeah. so, you get, so you get a license for different hairstyles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I already got I got different the degrees of what the results could be, and I've got hairstyles already picked out. Okay, so just, <laughs> <laughs> let fuck around. Let me find out that I can do something crazy. <laughs> No man, I um yeah no. That, other than that, uh, nothing much changed. Uh, just a rainy day here in Austin. It's getting a little cooler, uh, so mm-hmm. that's gonna be nice. That it won't be you know, um, deathly hot all the time, which is a, a thing that happens down here. Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully by the time this comes out, things will have cooled off. We just recorded yeah. um our first episode, first bonus episode of uh, September about uh, Muhammad Ali and Antonio Inoki, which is very yeah. fun. So. Uh, audience, if you're listening and want to hear that, get on our Patreon. Just got to get our, our plug in patreon.com slash yeah, cheat and steal. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Just uh, hearing about the arguably the first ever MMA match and uh, all the kind of uh, flim flammery behind it. I think you guys might. Have yeah, heard spoiler that. alert. It was a huge clusterfuck. It was very. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and click, categorize that as a clusterfuck Absolutely. <laughs> of the highest order. Oh, man. Um, oh, uh, speaking of our Patreon, I uh, want to give a sh- uh, belated birthday shout out to one of our listeners out there in California, uh, Breezy Dorado and her daughter, Tony, listen all the time. It was her birthday on the 3rd, and I failed to mention that in the last recording we did. So happy belated, and I hope you guys are staying safe out there amidst all the 
red raining sky chaos is happening. Yeah, so. happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, happy birthday to you. Um, that being said, I want to get in. You know, I'm talking about my my ancestry and my people, and uh, I want to talk about a, a a group of people that I identify with <laughs> and uh, that I spent a, a a time living among. I'm of course talking about pawnbrokers. The yes. Uh, Finally, the long-awaited pawn shop episode. Another big shout-out to the super fan out there who created Pat and Kath lied to me at Pat and Kath lied one on Twitter. Which means one of two things. Either they went to go make an account about us being liars and then fucked something up and made a second one and they already took the first name. Or somebody out there already had at Pat and Kath lied. <laughs> it's Which, possible. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I, we're full of shit. You guys have figured we're this scammers. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they brought this up. And I thought I had taught, I had done a Pawn Shop episode before. And I guess if somebody dedicated enough to make a Twitter account is like, no, no, you haven't. Uh, here it goes. I want to talk about Pawn Shops. Their history. My history with them. How they can scam you, how you can scam them, how they scam themselves. Uh, to get a real in-depth look. And by in-depth, I mean I have three pages of notebook paper stapled Amazing. on the wall in front of me. This um, is like really, I feel like this episode is like the pilot podcast episode for the memoir you will eventually write <laughs> about yeah. your time, about your time in the pawn shops. Because you do yeah. like, I, I'm sure you're going to get into a lot of them, but like you... There's no way we're going to get into all the good pawn shop stories you have on this podcast because we don't have that much time. Like you are just an (laughs) endless source of crazy pawn shop stories. Every day was something new. I I would live like I was living with like like Josh Dobb and Jared Holly and I would just get home and they would be like, you know, it was like they didn't have uh, action packed days themselves. And they would be like, what'd you get into? (laughs) I'm like, boy, let me tell you, I saw two meth heads fight over a lawnmower. (laughs) (laughs) Just really fun industry. Um, Yeah, guys. So. Pawn shops, you know, everybody everybody knows them. Everybody's had their experiences with them, whether they want to talk about it or not. You know, we've all had to go to a pawn shop before, or they have to buy something, more likely to sell something. Um, very interesting institutions. One of the few straight cash institutions that's still thriving in 2020. Um, as far as I understand, it's pretty much recession-proof, uh, pawn yeah. shops. I mean, because when shit's doing bad, you go to the pawn shop. And when shit's going good and you're, you know, you're a, a white trash junk person like myself, you go to the <laughs> pawn shop. They got good deals on things, you know? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, diving right in the pawn shops. First of all, history of pawn shops. Uh, pawn shops, or the idea of pawning, the idea of getting a loan against an item for collateral, has been around as long as commerce, uh, probably even a little earlier than that. Uh, now pawn shops or pawn brokers, as their employees are known, um, for a long period of time in ancient days were essentially forbidden from running these kinds of deals, at least in like the Middle East, mainly because Jews and Christians both had, um, laws on the book about collecting interest off of another Jew or another Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could, you could go outwards, but it's like how, you know, how outward were your community connections into a community you didn't belong to. So, right. Loading... Which is why, which is why there's all of that weird, um, anti-Semitic, yes. uh, conspiracy about Jews owning banks and everything. It's like, well, because the rules were that yeah. like <laughs> the Jews got kicked out of everywhere they were. So they were outsiders yeah. everywhere, which allowed them to bank because, yeah. Banking was not something that you were allowed to do if you weren't an outsider. Yeah, I'm reading yeah. a really interesting book right now called uh, Debt by this guy, David Graeber, who recently passed away. Um, he hasn't really talked about about pawn shops, but he has talked about this idea that like banking and monetary systems are fundamentally about 
outsiders and working with outsiders and like trade and stuff like that are always, you always need somebody that you don't have personal relations with, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, that that is, that is very true. And like, you know, it's interesting too, because like, I know like when uh, a people is in like a, a diaspora, you know, like, they're like, you know, when you don't have lands to farm or, you know, property to, to, mm-hmm. to build upon, you know, if you got a little bit of if you got a little bit of capital, a little bit of collateral, you can, you know, that that's a very uh, feasible job for you to do, you know, uh, is to start loading out your money, making it work for you. Uh, and when, right. you know, when somebody doesn't have ties to an area, that's a lot of times, especially in ancient history, I mean, one of the few options they had. So Right. I mean, you can't like if you think about especially in sort of like pre-industrial societies when every, everybody is like in these small little villages and stuff, you can't run a store if you're related to everybody. Like that's yeah. not going to work. You're going yeah, yeah, yeah. to, everyone's going to be asking for a deal and you're not yeah. going to make any money. Oh yeah. Of course. Been there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, now m- moving on. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting I found now, uh, the first pawn shops that were kind of like, um, uh, recognizable as modern pawn shops uh, mm-hmm. started in the 5th century China. They were operated by Buddhist monks. And yeah, as this would go on later, they would partner with wealthy citizens to build pawn shops inside of monasteries to avoid property taxes. So just as soon as the religious the religious <laughs> folks were able to get out ahead of taxes uh, and make a little bit of coin, they did just that. Um <laughs> but yeah, like every time you hear what's funny, like, uh, you know, Christopher Columbus funded his, you know, the, the, the journey for Christopher Columbus to go to America was funded from Queen Isabella pawning her jewels. You always hear a lot about selling family, the family crown or selling the family jewels that they were never outright sold. They were loaned against for collateral. It was mm-hmm. pawning. So that was, you know, that was uh, one right. of the earliest iterations of that as well. It is kind of interesting to think about, like, what's the difference between an offering collateral and pawning and it's like basically just how much money it is like, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah if you're if you're broke you're gonna pawn if you're yeah. a queen you're going to offer collateral and you're so oh you're i'll give you my word like it's like a noble yeah. thing as opposed yeah, to like yeah, oh yeah. shit i gotta sell my shit because yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and if you just like like you know yeah keeping it at the uh yeah keep it at the pawn shop like if you get a loan at the pawn shop it's like well that thing we gave you the loan on stays here because we can't trust right. you to bring it back Whereas the queen is like, yeah, I'm going to, these are going to stay on my head, big boy. Right. (laughs) So, um, so a little bit, now a a huge, this is a huge moment in pawn shop history. This is uh, talked about, you know, know, uh, afterwards uh, uh, will be discussed for generations. And this is, of course, it is around June, 2006. And that's when I started working at Mm. the, at a, a easy pawn pawn shop in Copper's Cove, Texas. A historic uh, moment in the historic history of moment. pawn shops. Yeah. Capitalism has been on uh, the downturn ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I got in and fucked it up real good. No, uh, I, I was working at a, at a Pizza Hut, and I said this on the, on the pawn shop before, or the pawn shop on the podcast before, everybody had always been like, oh, you should sell cars. And I always thought that meant I was like, you know, a good salesman. I got older and realized that's a way of telling somebody you're full of shit. <laughs> but I wanted you're, to get the it's, sales. You're full of shit, but you're also good at selling the shit. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, good yeah. at You're good at spinning the bullshit. Which oh, is, yeah. 
Which is a, a skill. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a compliment, but it yeah, is a skill. It is. It's like what I've said. I, I know something's wrong with my brain because I have chastised people for calling people I didn't like manipulative before because I, I feel it's kind of a compliment. <laughs> so I, so like, they're manipulative. I'm like, no, 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 don't give them that. You know? <laughs> don't give them the high honor of saying that they're smart enough to manipulate the people around them. They don't deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I started working at this pawn shop. I was working at Pizza Hut, and I, I saw the movie Office Space. And I was like, man, I, I hate my job. I want to get a new and better job. I was 20 years old at the time, so I didn't understand that I could get a new and better job by, like, you know, uh, just... Uh, basically, I thought a pawn shop was a step up. And in many ways, it was. I'd worked, sure. a, bunch of, I'd worked a bunch of fast food jobs this year. I could earn a commission. They had health insurance and shit, so... It was wow, cool. I didn't realize that you earned a commission there. Yeah. So it wasn't big, just hourly. It was No, yeah, that's a big part of it. That's that's a big like is going in there and getting your sales commission. Obviously, some companies have better structures than others. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, you can definitely get a little bit of scratch selling stuff at the pawn shop. Uh yeah, and again, like if you're a good salesman, that like that's definitely a step up because it's like I, I mean, I think like commission work is kind of unfair in a lot of ways and it, it is oh, kind of exploitative, so. but like if you're good at it and you're yeah. motivated by it, like you will make more money. For yeah, sure. yeah. You can get those checks in, and you learn a lot. Like the pawn shop is like so multifaceted. It's like two or three businesses rolled into one. It's it's mm-hmm. banking, uh, it's you know uh, consumer uh, consumer finance, it's retail, it's warehousing. It's you know it's kind of it's straight up sales. It's all that yeah. kind of rolled into one. It's also like community service because you're dealing with people who like have no other resources to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So it's oh, yeah, like, no, for real. It's, you're like also partially a social worker yeah, if you yeah, work yeah. at a pawn shop. <laughs> oh, that is so true. Yeah, you get like, man, we used to, like, there's some people who like, I, people, always, people, people always have this idea it's a bunch of drug addicts walking in. And yes, that does happen. That happens, especially depending on where your shop is, you're going to get that, you know, first thing in the morning until the, till the fucking doors close. But the overwhelming majority is just people who like, are in a really tight spot yeah. and probably aren't the best with money. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. which it's weird that your success in this world is determined like upon kind of like your ability to manage a system that like, you know, like our ape on acid brain thought of thousands of hundred thousand years after our creation. We thought of this monetary system. Right. And if you, if you have a shine to that, you do better. And if you're just somebody who just doesn't, you know, they talked about some people, some human brains just like, resource management like that you know it's how some people can jump high and some people can you know right. uh, throw a ball quick sometimes resource management doesn't dawn it's on si- people it's a situation where the consequences don't fit the error like the punishment yeah, yeah. doesn't fit the crime where it's like all you did was be a, be maybe a little too impulsive and not yeah. good at math or whatever yeah yeah and now you and can't the, eat. the consequences yeah. that like you can't live like yeah, there's yeah it's so totally unfair and ridiculous. Yeah. And a, no, go ahead. Oh, I was like, yeah. I, was like, I just paid fifteen hundred dollars to to deposit to move into this place, and and I, I don't live in a place that, <laughs> that I think warrants a fifteen hundred dollar deposit. But you know, it's just uh, you know, my financial decisions in the past are gonna make that hard for me. You know, for the foreseeable future, and right. that's just kind of where you where we live. But, but it's, I mean, it's a self perpetuating cycle where it's yeah. like. A lot of people can't get $1,500 together, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be a bad tenant. It just, yeah, yeah. like, it, being able to accumulate resources like that uh, is really difficult for a lot yeah. of people. And it, it doesn't mean that they're, like, dumb or bad. They just don't have this particular skill, necessarily. Yeah, and yeah. it becomes a cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I never really thought about that. Like, the, the, the error, the, the punishment doesn't, like, fit the error. I never thought about that, but it's very true. And that's what you deal with a lot. 
in the shops is people who just like, like a lot of it is like, um, so I'll get into like the structure of pawning and how it works. A lot of people are unclear on that, I've found. Mm -hmm. But basically like, you know, let's say you have a tough time and you come in and you pawn like five or six of your, of your favorite jewelry pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And you have... Uh, lo monthly loan payments that you, you either have to come pick them up or you can pay the interest for the month and extend it for a month. And that is where the, they make money hand over fist because for essentially no overhead, we've put your item on a shelf back there. You're paying us, you know, 30, 40, 50, 120 bucks a month, depending on how much you got, just so we won't sell it. So you won't and, sell it. Got it. Yeah. And so like, let's say some people, they pawn these five rings, right? It's like the five or five jewelry pieces and they come in every month and the average monthly payment is like 60 bucks a piece. So they're paying 300 bucks a month interest to not lose these rings. And it's like, how long are you going to keep this up until now you're paying more than they loaned you? And now you're paying more than it's worth. But it's right. like people have that emotional connection. Again, the human mind doesn't necessarily, isn't created for financial management. And some people see it as like, oh, well, if I don't pay the $300 this month, I'm wasting that money that I got from that, which is a, a you know a, a logical error that people make all the time. Right, some cost what, fallacy. Yeah, cost. Yeah, some cost fallacy. That's what keeps these this, these businesses afloat. So mm -hmm. I walked into this. Place. That's really interesting. I I didn't realize that there were interest payments like that. So oh that's, yeah, yeah. That's what keeps it from being sold. So you get, yeah. you come in. I come in with these rings and say I get five hundred dollars or whatever. Yes, they're really nice, and then I have to pay. Uh, $75 a month back to you, and if I don't, you'll sell them. Yes. So yeah. how do I get them out of Hawk in the first place? You come like, and you, you pay the principal plus, uh, plus yeah, the no, interest. Yeah, yeah, plus usually it's one month to two months interest because most people, you have a 30-day... It's a 30-day loan with a 30-day grace period. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I, 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 I'm going to break into that. I did want to point out that I got hired by a guy named Richard Martin, who, eh, for all means, seems a nice enough guy. Uh, when he hired me, uh, he was just super stoked that I was in a band because he used to be in a band. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was the area manager. I, I walked into my application, and the girl behind the counter, Krista, just pointed at, at Richard, like, give it to him. And I was like, okay. So I go up to him. He goes, well, hell, Patrick, i got a few minutes. Come on in here. I was like, all right. Richard Martin. <laughs> Nice guy, has one armpit that sweats like the fucking devil. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just one though. Just the other one. one. The other one is bone dry, dry all the time. And one all of the them, time. one single armpit just on swamp mode. And that is so crazy. Do you think it like I'm trying to think like does he spend a lot of time in the car? Maybe he has like one arm up and it's airing it out out the open window or something. I don't know. We the the, the brightest minds in uh, armpit <laughs> science. We we racked this, but it was like kind of that like is a joke. Wild. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like a joke. Oh, Richard, you know, Richard Martin and his uh, his uh, one soaked armpit. So he hires me, <laughs> okay. and he explains it to me as his. He said it was straight up capitalism. As exactly, so it's straight up unfiltered capitalism. And yep. I was like, yeah. And I was like twenty. I was like, that sounds amazing. Sure. <laughs> so so basically, this is the the, the pawn process. Let's say you come in, you've got a laptop. This laptop sells for $500 uh, retail. That's what it sells for brand new. I know that it's it's in good condition, you know, so I, I, I know I could probably sell it for 370 for 375, you know, 125 under retail cost. That's a pretty good deal. Are you so, are you coming up with all of these prices on your own or do you have some kind of guide? Uh, what well, you have is you, you have the internet and experience. Got so it. a lot of it is like just knowing, like there's some items where you just know. You're they're like, commonly oh, brought in. And commonly brought in. Like when you watch Pawn Stars and they're coming in with like fucking cannons and like, you know, like yeah. Van Gogh paintings <laughs> and shit. Yeah, like, that, that is unusual. so, so yeah, so unusual. <laughs> uh, when, he, when he goes, when, when Rick Harrison goes, you never know what's going to come through that door. False, Rick. Yeah, you do. It's going to be 
a million fucking PS2s, a bunch of 20-inch flat-screen TVs, yeah. you know, DVD players, <laughs> jewelry, a couple handguns. It's it's the same fucking items like all yeah. the time. Obviously, you do get some wild shit on occasion, but generally it's very bread and butter. So you, yeah. you do a lot of research. You look up stuff. You look it up on eBay. You see what the used ones are going for. If it's a new mm-hmm. enough product, you check it out on BestBuy.com or you check it out you know, on all these sites. And you get an idea as to what you can sell it for. So we have a $500 laptop, $500 retail laptop. Now, as a pawnbroker on my side of the counter, this starts when you bring the item in. It's it's kind of like a kind of like a sweet science, like the little debate, like the little uh, things that go around it. So, like for example, you would come in with this, and there's two ways you can do: you can sell an item, or you can get a loan on it. Now, most people think when you go to the pawn shop, you're just getting rid of the shit. Uh, right. That's actually that's actually that that happens, but that is not what the industry is built upon. That's selling loans or pawns are when you come in. We give you money, you pay it every month until you can pay it off. Right. So, and that's where they make all their money. That's where we make all our money. And so we have a tendency to give you a little more money if we think you're going to come back for the item because I'd rather have you paying the interest on $150 than 100 You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's more money sense. for me. Mm-hmm. So since we're selling money in that regard. So when you yep. come through, but what you do is, so some people know that you get more when you sell it. However, if you don't pick the item up, then it goes against your pickup rate. And we look at you and go, oh yeah, you, you've you you've loaned every item. You've, you've never come back and get it. I, I, I'm going to assume you're not coming back getting this. Right. However, so I'm going to under, I'm going to lowball you a little bit. <clears throat> yes. However, a little cool trick that we do is when you come in and you guys, you can take this home with you. Uh, when you go to the pawn shop, you put your item down the counter. I'm just going to be like, hey, how you doing today, man? What's going on? All right, cool. I'm going to look at the item. I'm going to go, so uh, you trying to get rid of this? You want to sell it? And I'm going to gauge your reaction and see if that you have a look of horror on your face. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want to sell this. I just want to get a loan. Or if you're like, well, I don't know. What's up? Like, what gets me more? So now, yeah. I, know how, now I know how invested you are in this. So, so mm-hmm. let's say you come in with your laptop. You put it on the counter. I go, oh, cool, cool. You're looking to sell this? And you're like, no, 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 not at all. I do not want to sell it. I need that for school. I need that for work. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Next question. How much are you trying to get? Like, what are you looking for? And then uh, they're going to say, you know, well, I'm looking to get $200. Okay, well, the laptop goes for 500 brand new. I could probably sell it for 375. That means that I'm going to have you want to shoot for a 66% cost of goods. So mm-hmm. I want it. So at that's a little under six. That's a little high. So I might be like, you know what? I couldn't get you two 200. I think you want to come back and get this. I, I can get you uh, 175. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Yeah. So we do like 175. Now this varies from state to t- state, and even from company to company within the same state. But essentially, we'll say you have a 30 day loan. With a 30-day grace period. That means that on, you know, September 1st, you have to come in on October 1st and pick it up. If you don't, you have another 30-day grace period. But for both of those 30-day periods, you're going to be getting, I think on 175 the interest is like $35. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be $35. So you can come back in on the end of that 60-day period and you can pay 35 and extend it for a month. You can pay 70 and extend it for two months. Or you can pay the 175 plus the, the, the 70 and, and pawn service charges and pick it back up. And I we just, see. yeah. And we just made, uh, you know, uh, at that point, yeah, we just made 70 bucks off of loaning you, uh, 175 bucks that we got back right. in two months, which is a pretty good return for yeah, pretty having good return. pretty much no overhead to keep somebody's laptop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just put it on a shelf. That's all you're doing. And, uh, you know, and then, so what we do is we have every pawn shop has, they call it their, um, their loan balance. And that's how much money you have out on the streets and you have your pickup rate. 
you want your pickup rate to be about 80%. That means that 80% of the time, people come and, and either pay their service charges or pick the item up and then, you know, thusly pay their service charges as well, plus mm-hmm. the principal. So, so the 20% that doesn't, those are items that you people are delinquent on and then you get to sell them? And then we get to sell those, yes. And you Got can it. actually have too high of a pickup rate. Because now you now you don't have any turnaround on the floor. You're not making sales money. Your staff is right. making commission. So that and that means you're probably and that won't. you only get commission on the stuff you sell, right? Yes, and and also that means that you're probably if you have too high of a pickup rate, that means you're probably not loaning out, loaning out enough money. That means you could probably be yeah. loaning more money. So yeah, because if less people—that's that's pretty dark, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, these loans are too easy to pay off. Well, right. we need to get—we need to loan the people more money so that they're harder. We need to—we need to fuck some more people so we can make our commission. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, so let's say, so you get the item, you come back and pick it up. That's the end of that story. Happy story. You come back again. Now you have a hundred percent pickup rate. You pawn that item a few more times, and now I might go. Hey, you need 200 today instead of one you, you want that initial 200 that you wanted? And they go, yeah, let me go ahead and do that. Boom. Now I'm making $40 instead of 35 Yeah. And, and you yeah. can pretty much trust that that person's good for it. Cause exactly. It exactly. And if you want to I gotta look- say, these, the interest rates for this and the process for this is like a hundred times better than any other sort of emergency money system that I can think of. It really like, is. It really is. This is, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's we need to do better for people so they don't have to pawn their shit. But like, this is so much better than a payday loan. This is so much better than like a shitty credit card. Like, Yep. by a lot yeah. it really it really is and like if you if you play it the right way it can be a very useful resource because you know sometimes people come in if you got a laptop that i would sell for 375 and even though it retails for 500 as a seller you might rightfully be like well hold up you know that doesn't you know like that's not a good fucking deal because i you know like i, I want to make uh you know like i'm trying to make 375 that's what you're saying you can sell it for i need to be, i want to be able to sell it for that well right the benefits being that that means you can't get it back so if you want to keep this item, you just need money today, this is where you need to do it. Yeah. Also, I always, I'd always say this. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the convenience of a pawn shop is that we will buy it from you today. Uh, the, the fact that you're in here, I'm sure you need that money either today or sometime close to it. Right. So you, you don't have you, to wait for some Craigslist weirdo to come yeah. over. And, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there's that. Now, just for uh, for our math heads out there, the, the interest is actually, at least in Texas, it's 240%. But it's broken down over twelve percent, so it's twenty percent per month or twelve months. So it's twenty percent per month. That's mm-hmm. why on a two hundred dollar loan you're paying forty. It does go down to one hundred eighty percent, I think, after five hundred dollars. So you mm-hmm. get a little bit of a cheaper one. But now, so that's it. So the guy picks their laptop up. That's a happy story. What happens when you lose your stuff? Like we said, it's uh, you are more than two months delinquent, and this is where you start to like. It's good to be good with the pawn shop. Uh, we used to have people coming in there all the time. They'd get off work and they'd bring us like, we'd have people bring us in ribs from their barbecue restaurant or, you know, <laughs> stop, stop by with beers or like snacks and shit because they want to be cool with you. So they yeah. can call, they can call and go, Hey, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's Miss Regina and I got my stuff in and I'm, I, I know it's supposed to be due today, but I'm out of town. Can I be back on Wednesday? And 90% of the time you're like, yeah, that's fine. We got you. Cause we know how much money you're, we're making off the interest and how much money we have, but you know, how much interest we have in keeping you as a customer. So, so do you keep like does the pawn shop like keep records of everybody? Yes. Like everybody's yes. history of all of their everyone's pawns? history. You can go back and you can look at like I I, I got a kick. Um, it used to be, obviously not be digital, and every pawn shop has a huge records room. And mm-hmm. one time I was just digging through some of the records, just looking at shit, and it was like, uh, 
It was funny. It was, it was the lady that my boss ended up marrying. It was uh, his pawn tickets from like the early '90s. His uh, cool ass dude named Rocky, and uh, he pawned a Nintendo system in like 1992 or some shit, like when they first came out, and got like 150 <laughs> bucks for it or something like that. And, like, but it was like all written out in hand, like all these little cards. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, that's so interesting. Yeah, and then that's also a very the, interesting sort of like economic uh, artifact of like yeah. what things were going for at pawn shops at different times. Yo, yeah, 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 and, and knowing that has like given me like like so much insight on stuff that like, you know, I don't know, I just didn't really know about. I, I don't care much about jewelry, but I know damn near everything about it. Like I, yeah. can, I can spot fake jewelry while it's on somebody's neck and I, I I've never given two shits about diamonds, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can spot a fake Louis bag from a mile away. Like it's mm-hmm. um like yeah, we we'll get we get into some some of those cool little skills that you learn. But if you lose your stuff, it goes out on the on onto the floor, and from there, you if you know the shop, you can come back in. If it's the day of, generally they'll reactivate the loan. They'll go, okay, you know, pay us a monthly payment, and we'll reactivate it, or pay off your interest to zero, we'll reactivate it. Um, some people will give you a good deal for putting it in layaway, and then it's kind of got you by the balls again, you know, because now you're coming. Yeah, in it's like and, double. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I'll yeah. buy this thing that I was delinquent on, but it yeah, has to be in uh, dude, it's wow. you know, like literally, get, they'll get you coming and going, and while you're fucking standing there, like it's yeah. just it's it's insane. It's a three pronged attack, but you do learn pretty cool stuff working there. Like like for example, like uh, I'm, I'm sure listeners who are into like jewelry or designer bags already know these things, but like. You learn like the little things of how to spot a fake a fake Louis bag or a Gucci bag, and it's all the devils in the details. People pay a lot of money for these items because they're well made, and you just really yeah, it's all in the stitching and the stuff, stitching. Right? The, how far apart the stitching is. If the stitching is nice, little even uniform dots that are all the same length, and also when you get to the joints where they're conjoining like one piece and two pieces to another piece. If it's if that's a coach bag, that shit is crisp. Everything mm-hmm. wraps around the perfect angle. If that shit was made in a flea market, like it's you know it's already falling apart. They're like three different stitches going in different directions to hold the thing together. That's yeah. how you can look for that. Uh, jewelry, pretty fun. Uh, you know, jewelry just um, you know of course you go by temperature. You can rub up gold in your hand, and if you smell it, it has a metallic smell. That's not gold. If a gold chain sticks to a magnet, that's not gold. What's um, the temperature thing? The temperature thing is that if, if gold is, uh, if you heat it up in your hands and smell it. Uh, oh, okay, it's, so it's the it's, smell. Yeah, if it's plated, it'll have like a little bit of like uh, a metallic smell to it. Right. Uh, of course, if it's not, it'll just, uh, you know, it'll just be, uh, you know, it'll just be a... Uh, hot gold. Yeah, hot gold. <laughs> yeah, hot gold. Coming in hot. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you learn stuff like, you know, just like prices on like, I'm not big in like the car stereo world, but I, I know all the top brands. I'd say until recently, until I started working construction, I I knew every tool that is available for sale and how much it retails for. I couldn't tell you what the fuck to do with them. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Like you go, when you started doing construction, you like probably knew what everything was, even if you didn't know how to use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, give me a reciprocating saw. And I'm like, got it. He'd be like, now take care of that. I'm like, okay, that's where I need a little bit of guidance. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah. I have that's the saws so all here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a, definitely a jack of all trades kind of kind of job. Like, you know, a, a, a little about everything and a lot about nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but of course, this wouldn't be a lie, cheat, and steal episode if we didn't talk about the scams. And I know you're like, "Hey, Pat, you just explained a very legal scam." And yeah, the whole <laughs> thing is a scam. But I will say, if you need a little bit of cash, and you, especially people who have not been in that situation before, who like they're not used to being broke, yeah, and they don't they don't know how to do it. 
it, it isn't the end of the world. Look at a TV you don't use. Maybe you got, you know, you and your roommates are short on rent and there's an Xbox, but you got, well, we can't go without the Xbox. You don't have to. You can go back and get it later if you're fucking serious about it. So yeah. use that use that to your advantage. Be smart about it, you know? Uh, also, if you don't think you're, you want the item back and you're never going to go back to the pawn shop again and you don't care what your record looks like, overemphasize how badly you want to keep the item and see if it'll go <laughs> high on a sale. That's dead serious. Yeah if, you, yeah. If you, yeah, if you know you're just in town for a few weeks, you're not coming back, and you're just like, man, this was my grandmother's iPad, you know, <laughs> just like whatever. <laughs> Does that, so, but that probably doesn't work if it's a chain, right? Uh, well, well, it doesn't work if it's a chain, but it's like, do you, do you, there's about five chains in Austin, so, you know, right. you got, you got five in case of emergency, use this if you can't use totally. it again. Totally, yeah, yeah. You, exactly. So, but what I'm saying is, like, if I, if I happen to be in Austin, say, and this is, this is a not remotely an unf- infeasible experience, I could <laughs> easily see this happen. So, say I'm in Austin, and uh, I don't have enough money for another Airbnb night, and I'm going to be in town and I'm like, well, fuck. Uh, I like, I'm trying to think of something I would have on me that I wouldn't want back. But let's say I, for some reason, have a spare laptop and I go yeah. to, I go to easy pawn and I act like I'm really, I really, really want it back so I can get enough money to live in style and get room service in the <laughs> hotel or something. If I then come back to New York and try to pawn something at a New York easy pawn, Will they be able to look me up and say, "Oh, this person skipped town on a on something in Hawk," or is it yeah. separate because it's another state? Uh, yes, yes, they they will. They They'd will be able, able to, to find it. Okay. Yeah, if, if it's easy. So if you're it, gonna it, do this, go to different chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to different chains. Yeah, go to like, you know, and that's the, that's the whole thing. What's funny is is it's almost impossible to start a pawn shop. Um, mm-hmm. all, like 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 one of the only ways to really break in the game is to buy an existing pawn shop. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and and then I overtake their loans thing. So you, like you might fuck around and have a loan on file in Easy Pawn and never have been to an Easy Pawn, you know, because because they yeah. bought they bought all they... the all the jumping jack caches in upstate New York, you know. <laughs> That's interesting too, because that again tracks with um, this book I'm reading about debt, where it's basically like debt becomes its own asset at a certain yeah. point. Yep. And yeah, so what you do when you take over a pawn shop is you're basically buying everybody's debt. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. And I've seen crazy things. Like, for example, when Easy Pond started, or Easy Pond had a branch in Gatesville, Texas. Gatesville is the county seat for Coriel County, but it's a small-ass town. It's one of those things where, like, you know, the, the, the city they thought was going to blow up, they made it the capital, and then, like, you know, the other city <laughs> blew up in the state. So that's that's that. Uh, so Gatesville, the, the Copper's Cove, or the Easy Pond branch in Gatesville, they start another pawn shop started up. And essentially was like buying merchandise without testing it because that's a big that's a big part of of pawn shops is testing the merchandise people are bringing in and Ooh, testing yeah. it thoroughly. If yeah, I bring so in a laptop and it doesn't turn on and you don't realize, it, it. yeah, it needs to turn yeah. on. It it needs like you need to bring it in with a full charge. Like and I need to see mm. I need to see it run. I need to see it take a charge and also run off of the charger for the duration of the transaction. Like you know, I'm, wow. gonna, leave, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave it off the charger and if I look and it's like it was just at 100 percent and now it's powering down. Like you know, no dice, buddy. Yeah, but. This place, like Curry Good Favor, was taking in electronics without, um, <laughs> without testing them, and like mm. you know, word, word gets out. They like like Daily Pawn Shoppers are like, hey, they're taking in goddamn Atari's, right? Not testing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Word spreads yeah. quick when people yeah, yeah, find yeah. out. You can basically get free money for sure. Yeah, and so they were like running through there, and it was just like you know they probably had some cash on on deck. They're like, we're just gonna fucking you know reach out to the community, and my area manager, uh, old uh, solo armpit, told the manager of the, uh, the the Gatesville store, Belinda. He was like, 
um, yeah, all, he was like, he's like, how much stuff do you have in your broken section? And she just like recruited like customers to take our broken shit over to that new pawn shop. Oh my god, that's and so funny. From them. Yeah, and then and then it, when they were still like like holding on for dear life, they had another meeting and they're like, yeah, your loan balance is slipping. Like, well, we got those new people, and he's like. Uh, I'm sorry, how many stores do they have? And Linda's like, none. He's like, how many stores do we have? She's like, nationwide. He's like, you got deeper pockets, bury them. And she just <laughs> overloaned on everything. So customers, oh, oh, they're giving out more money back at Easy Pond. And they're right wow. back over there. Yeah. There is this nothing... is a, an instance where competition really favors the consumer. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah, helps that... everyone out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you, there is nothing more fickle than a guy who wants to unload his DVD player. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, yeah there's no nothing... loyalty. Yeah, no brand loyalty among that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it, it, again it's like straight up like it's just straight up capitalism it's like the the, the free market like um so yeah so that's one way you can do that uh but yeah so how you can how you can scam kind of the shop this is uh, some things that i've seen uh some things that might get you get you one over on them um now one of the i've mentioned this on the pawn shop before or the podcast before i want to get mentioned it again though is the the pawn shop is tertiary to a very thriving scam called the speaker scam Mm-hmm. Now, the speaker scam is, you know, these like, like you can buy like a Blu-ray uh, surround sound system where it's got like the five tower speakers and like the main subwoofer and like the DVD unit. And, you know, you buy a Panasonic, one of those or like a higher end comp- a company that's going to be, you know, that could easily be seven, eight, fifteen hundred bucks, depending on what it is you're buying. Yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> people really like those things. They're good to have. They sound great. And there are knockoff companies that have you know like it's like like you know like the, like kobe the brand you get from fucking uh, walmart you know sure yeah that. but then there's even below that there are these literally made for the purpose of scams it's these <laughs> barely operable but sleek looking like it's black it, it, it's black wooden grain and like you know it's like the the, the shiny like fake-ass stainless steel parts, yep. and it looks like a regular-ass surround sound system. Man, that but, fake stainless steel where you rub it, uh, yeah. you, like, touch it, and it stops being shiny? Yeah, Hell yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's like that. And, like, and, and they look good, and they come in these boxes that have huge written on it, MSRP, Manufacturer Suggested Retail Price, $1,500, $1,600. And they're, they're, they're four cents worth of balsa wood in a few wires. That's all they yeah. are. Most of them don't even work. And the thing is, is you can buy these for like 50 or 60 bucks. So you buy these kits. And some people buy like five or six or 10 of them. And mm-hmm. then you go around in a flatbed truck and you pull it to people in parking lots, mainly pawn shops or near pawn shops. And you go, hey, man, you know, I, me and my boy are down from Dallas. We're just to drop all these off. There was one more on the manifest. And like, nobody's going to miss it. We're trying to get some money to get back to Dallas and party, man. It says 1500 bucks on the side of this thing. I'll sell it to you for 200 Mm-hmm. And if you're a fucking simp, you're going to be like, oh, okay, because I can buy this for 200 and then go sell it at the pawn shop. Right. And people, people would walk in, and you would, I, I can spot these boxes the minute they come in the door. It's like, oh, that's that's a fake speaker box. Oh, and they'll bring man. them in, and they put them down just, like, beaming, like, yeah, boy, what's up? And you're just like, ah, actually, that's fucking fake. I, I can't even take that from you. I wouldn't you give you money for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that, that's, so if you're ever out there and some kind souls pull up on you offering to give you, you know, Obviously, it's not. It's it's too good to be true. But if you ever had that specific thing happen to you, uh, just be like, "No, nah, man, I'm all set." Uh, that's time, very inspired to run that scam right by a pawn shop, though. Like yeah. that's like a very 
creative yeah. spin on what would yeah. already be probably a pretty good scam. Like yeah. you get way more takers if you're doing it in the parking lot of a pawn shop. Yeah. No, you got to be careful in the parking lot of a pawn shop though. Cause if we see somebody doing their own thing in the parking lot, we will shut. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause that's the whole thing is like every transaction that happens on this, on this lot has to be approved by consumer credit. So we need y'all out of here. And we say that all the this time. This is our turf to run scams on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Get, get the fuck out of town, buddy. <laughs> this is, this is our turf, baby. Uh, one time I was in a, a target parking lot and two guys pulled up on me. This guy's like, Hey man, you like stereo equipment? I got these stereos. We're down from Dallas. And I just kept trying to cut them off. And finally I was like, Hey bro, bro. Hey, I work in a pawn shop. I know what you're doing. He goes, Oh cool. You can probably pawn at the pawn shop. And the driver who's like an older guy is like tapped him on the shoulder. He's laughing. He's like, no nah, man, he's, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's one thing you can do. Um, another scam you can run on a pawn shop. And I'm not saying you should do this. I'm saying I've seen this done and it has, right. And Here are the pawn shop related scams. Yeah, yeah. This, this is satire. This is under satire law. It's like, <laughs> wouldn't it be crazy if we did this? <laughs> Anyways, um, no, you can go to, um, so basically, we car audio. Another big thing in pawn shops, car audio. We have to see car audio work. It has to work in the car. I got to hear it bump. I got to hear the, the speakers knock. And I got to be able to see. So a car stereo system, of course, has the amplifier. Uh, the, 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 the CD deck runs into the amplifier. The amplifier runs into the speakers. Mm -hmm. So... If you have an amplifier that doesn't work, you can, if you're crafty enough with how you lay the wires out, you can have an amplifier that does work, like under a seat or under something, pushing ah, the speakers. connect it, and then connect yeah. it to the speakers. And then connect it, so I'm over here looking, and if I'm not paying attention, because, and I said, because got, I, I, I got got on this one time. I, 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 I blocked it every time after that, but like, I, I, these kids came up, they showed me these speakers bumping, I was like, okay, cool. And then Did I- Did you catch people doing this after the first time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it all the time. Like this. Yeah. This happens a lot. It, yeah. It, yeah. It happens pretty frequently because people who like car stereo equipment are constantly trying to buy more, and mm -hmm. so like the way to do is you sell it, you know, and of course quick unload at the pawn shop. So people come in all the time, and it's usually like nineteen-year-old kids, and like no, yeah. no, no real adult is really trying to hit you with this shit. It's usually usually children. And, what do you uh, yeah. do when you when you catch somebody? You just go like, "Nice try," and send them on their way. Essentially, yeah, you're like, hey, man, I know what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm going to say uh, right now you're probably not in sound mind to enter in financial agreement, which is what you tell people when they get mad. You go, hey, you know what? It mm -hmm. seems like you're really not in sound mind to enter in financial agreement, so I'm going to go and ask you to come back tomorrow when you're in a better state of mind and we can discuss this. But I'll say things like that. I'm like, no, man. Uh, some people will ban somebody. They're like, no, I'm, not, I'm never doing business with you again. Get out of here. You know, you try, you like, yeah, well, I see like, what you're trying to do. That's what that's what I was wondering is like I know you wouldn't you wouldn't like call the cops on people or whatever for doing this but like will you enter into another agreement with somebody who tried to scam you once no, like no it, you you you'll you'll notate in there you know like like for yeah. example like like we're gonna get into like what happens when you pawn stolen shit here in a second but like but if somebody if you know somebody's full of shit because working at the pawn shops it's like you really are kind of like. Like people are coming at you like trying to run game, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, people absolutely. are in there. Like, you got to be on your p's and q's. You got to have your head on a head on a swivel, you know, and stay on your pivot because, like, if you if they catch you slipping, like they're gonna get one over on you. These are like it's it, people coming in there. Like this is what their goal is for the day. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And so you know you got yeah you got to have it on. So also you rely like let's say if somebody comes in and I bring up their their thing has a warning on their account or like a note and it's just like hey um, comes in with tons of. Uh, sunglasses and original packaging. We tell them we can't take them. They come back with the same glasses, claiming they're different. Definitely Pride and Pond stolen glasses. And you, so you just know to lowball them at that point. That's right. another way. Because if you get caught pawning something stolen, if something that you pawn comes up as stolen through like the property reports, um, then you, you you get flagged and you're you're done. You can't pawn that chain anymore. It's going to come up on every location that you go to that you're pawning stolen goods, and there's literally no coming back from that. 
So um, that so that will get you banned, but trying to run this amplifier scam will not get you banned. It may or may not. Like, see, we can technically you can ban anybody, but the only thing where it's like legally we can't take shit from you is if you're calling the police. But this is one of those things where if I tell you that, so that means that every time you come in, I'm gonna go. You got, let's say you got a speaker that you know I can sell for four hundred dollars. I'm like, I'll give you thirty bucks for it. Got it. Yeah, okay. and that, that's how that's how you solve that problem. You're like, yeah, I'll give you thirty. Yeah. That's it. Oh, well, fuck that. Well, we'll go somewhere else. Yeah, that's just kind of. Yeah. This is one of the few industries where you're kind of in the driver's seat, and you can be like, Hey, I, I used to work with this really cool guy named Jack. Uh, 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 this really cool guy named Jack, and uh, Jack. This older black dude, he drove the recycling truck for Austin, and he only worked at the pawn shop two or three days a week to pay off, uh, pay off like bills and child support and shit. And mm-hmm. he was so cool. And he picked up the phone one time, you could tell the person was yelling, and he was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, all right, well, first of all, I'm the one that did that shit to you, so you need to change the way you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. That is, that is like... The coolest customer. That yeah, yeah, butter yeah. would not melt in Jack's mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's no. awesome. <laughs> Dude, one time there was a guy out there who was like, may have been a little mentally ill, maybe a little like developmentally challenged, but he was causing a huge scene. And Jack came and got me. He goes, Hey, Pat, we need you to go up there and take care of this person. And quick warning, I think they got that strength. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Jack, come on, man. <laughs> but he let me know what was going in, what I was going Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You knew what to expect. He said, I think they got that strength. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, one of the coolest dudes on earth. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so if you get, that's one thing you can do. You can run that. Of course, there's fake jewelry and watches. That's a little harder because jewelry is such a high dollar item that mm-hmm. so much, so much of your training as a pawn, uh, in the pawn world is learning to spot fake jewelry. And it's it's a really hard sell, but there's are things out there. Like, there's, there's diamonds called moissanites that you might be familiar with that um, are rather pricey but they're still at the end of the day just glorified cubic zirconia and um you know they they'll, they'll test on a diamond tester which is a little a little thing that you go in there and it shoots a heat signature into it and if it comes back with a correct reading it beeps and says yes this is a diamond um ah. you have to have a separate one on hand for a moissanite detector and a moissanite detector is how you if you're like this this thing looks good it looks too good because the thing yeah. about diamonds is they have flaws like yep. that's why flawless diamonds, like you know, we know about them for generations because they don't exist that that frequently. Like most, right. some have very little, but all have some, you know. And if you yep. see just a fucking blindingly brilliant gemstone or diamond, and you're just like, hold up, screw, and you it, it, it beeps with the 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 diamond detector. You throw it on the moissanite detector too, and you're like, and, and see if it beeps on that, and then it's moissanite, and it's like a third of the cost, if that. Right. So there's that fake watches. Good thing you learned to fake spot how to fake uh, spot fake Rolexes. Uh, Rolexes are known for their gliding second hand that has no tick whatsoever to it. Mm-hmm. And if you see a Rolex and it's got that little tick action, that's a fake. However, oddly enough, there are fake Rolexes that are still very pricey, like way more than like a <laughs> Citizen watch. Because at the end of the day, if you try really hard to make a fake Rolex, you still made a pretty damn good watch. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. If you did a if you did a convincing fake, it's probably a nice, a pretty yeah, nice y- timepiece. Yeah, because the way to make the way to make uh, a second hand not tick and look like a Rolex is to use really high grade material and finely crafted gears. Which, like at the end of the day, <laughs> you're still making an expensive fucking watch. So there is that. So uh, you can go in and be like, I know this Rolex is fake, but it's really nice. How much will you give me for it? And they might give you some. Yeah, if, if, if that's you, that you're gonna want to deal with the manager, somebody who probably knows, like you know, because the regular employees, well, it's fake, I can't take it. True, right? But right. if you've worked in a pawn shop enough, you know, there's guys that'll come in there and be like, "Well, let me see what your fakes look like." 
You know, you got, you got yeah. your junk guys. Like, oh, this is your fakes. You know, they, they, they know what's up. They'll pay a couple hundred bucks for it. Sure. So, um, of course, there's straight up stealing is another thing you can do. You can just smash and grab. <laughs> you can, hey, can I see that? An outdoor happened to me. <laughs> What'd they take? They took, okay, so this guy walked in and like, you, you get really good at spotting trouble when it walks in the door. And yeah, you, I mean, this all sounds like incredible uh, door guy training. Yeah, like, yeah, which is, which is why that's where like, I'm genetically predisposed to be a door guy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, so yeah, you, you, they come in, you can spot trouble, and you do, like, I guess I was lucky enough to grow up in, in a pretty diverse area, and I, I I know what somebody looks like when they're trouble, and I know what yeah. somebody, like, I know what people might think looks like where it's not. Like, you know, if you see a dude come in there with, like, matching J's, matching hat, shiny-ass sneakers, chains, oh, he looks like a rapper. Is he going to be in some trouble? No, because that dude's shoes are shiny as shit, and the real guys you got to worry about, their shoes are tattered at this point, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you, you learn the little things to look for where it's not just, like, the standard stereotypical red flags that, you know, people might have. So this guy came in, I could tell he'd been living on the streets. I was like, this guy hasn't been inside in a few days. And he walked up to the, the pawn, to the jewelry case, which was at a very unsafe look. It was at a very unsafe uh, position in the store right next to the front door. You never want your jewelry case next to the front door. You want that shit, you know, on the other side of the store where they got to like, if they're running out from the jewelry case, they got to run through like DVD racks and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, the, the location I was at, and funny story, I worked at two separate locations two separate companies in the same building i was at easy pawn and then i said fuck this man i'm out of here i went to national pawn down the street and they're like oh yeah we're actually moving into that building we owned it the whole time so i was back in there <laughs> within like three weeks i was like god damn i can't get away can't escape yeah so that was like uh so this guy comes in and he's he's at the jewelry counter and he just kind of like beckons for me and i was i had a customer i was like all right man i got you so <clears throat> i come over and on every case we had the sticker that says to view uh, jewelry over five hundred dollars when you see your ID, mm -hmm. and it wasn't on this particular case, and it was just me being being nice, I guess, too nice. I was like, "Damn it, it's it's." I don't want to seem like an asshole and be like, "Yo, I gotta see your ID," but I should have done that. But instead, because it wasn't on that particular case, I was just like, "Okay." So he asked to see the most expensive ring in there. It was like a thirty five hundred dollar platinum ring, uh, uh, anniversary set with three three um, uh, circle cut diamonds on them. Mm -hmm. So I take it out. I'm holding it in my hand, very close to myself, and he goes, and he's not even really saying words. He just kind of like was like, can I, can I, can I, can I look at it? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man. And so as soon as I went to go hand it to him, he just telegraphed. I saw his body turning outward and moving away from the jewelry case, yep. and I was like, oh, it's fucking on, dude. Now, this is what I will say. I don't think shoplifters should be physically beaten. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that. I'm saying we were chastised thoroughly by corporate. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you work at that pawn shop and you're the motherfucker that got the ring snatched out your hand and the dude ran off on you, I still got to go to work there every day, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still, I, man, yeah, you will get you, you just mocked. People will feel bold. So you got, you know. So anyways, this dude, I see him turning away from the counter and I was like, not today, bro. It was, I remember it was January 3rd. It was cold. I reached over the counter and I grabbed him by both of his coats that he had on. And we start rocking back and forth in this jewelry case. And I'm just like, yo, yo, somebody get this dude. Somebody get this dude. And my fucking assistant manager, God bless him, was just standing there. Jesse Munoz, he was like, nah, man. Like, he just like wouldn't come <laughs> over. <laughs> 
so, so he's like, the one who really believes shoplifters shouldn't be beaten. He's yeah, like, I'm not yeah, helping you, dude. Yeah, I don't yeah. get well, paid he, enough for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which I didn't get paid enough for it either. But it's just one of those things. It's like, it's oh no, like it's a, your pride. Like, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah, don't, yeah. you don't want to have that yeah. happen on your watch. Like, no so, question. Yeah, so I'm like holding on to the guy, and then like my my boy Chris comes out and uh chris look chris tall motherfucker looks like avon barksdale is in perfect shape like that's like, all he does like with his time is work out now he has a family and they're, they're beautiful but like that fool comes out and he's eating lunch and he has a thing of yogurt in his hand and he sees me just <laughs> struggling with this guy going back and forth and the jewelry case is rocking back and forth and finally it just falls and shatters jewelry oh, and man. glass go everywhere and this ain't that same uncut gem style yeah 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 for sure and so we both fall down this guy cuts his hand on the glass i'm holding onto his coat we're both on the ground he slips out of one coat i with reflexes that i had no business having at that point in time reached and grabbed his other coat and had him again <laughs> at this point chris is coming around the loan counter and finally he breaks out of that jacket and makes it out the front door chris is out the front door closes the gap immediately Yokes him up and body slams him. I run around the jewelry case, run out the front door. I hold his hand down and we wrestle the ring out of his fingers. And then Chris is holding him and this dude just is so bewildered. And he looks up and he just looks at me and he goes, how the fuck did you catch me? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be very satisfying yeah, when the it, guy I, is surprised. Yeah, well, because he thought he thought that I was the one that like jumped the that fucking That ran and jumped and him. Ran yeah. and closed. That's, just how, that's, that's how hard Chris body slammed him because Chris is like 6'4". So that dude was up <laughs> in the air and then back down and it was not, you know, not pretty. So, God damn. So we're holding him down and Chris is like, if I let you go, are you going to run? And he was like, no, no. And so Chris lets him go and he's just laying there and he goes, he just keeps looking at him and goes, man, seriously, how'd you catch me? And Chris goes, I caught you. And he goes, oh, shit. I thought he was one of the white boys that played football or some shit. <laughs> and then I go, I go, nah, man, he caught you. He goes, oh, he goes, you know, I used to play a little football myself. And I was like, we're oh not friends, dog. <laughs> that rules. He just tried immediately to go into like... Like well, you know, like, like you, your job is to be at the pawn shop and my yeah, job is to try to steal yeah, stuff from you. Yeah. Like, we're all just going, clocking in here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the sheepdog and the coyote, you know? It's just like, like we, we yeah. got jobs, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So that was that was fun. That was like the smash and grab. And like, we were told, like, my, my, my manager was like, that fucking jewelry case cost more than that ring. That's right. It, it, co- <laughs> it cost more than we had in the ring. I think we had gotten the ring for like six or seven hundred bucks. He was like, it's going to cost eight hundred to get that new jewelry case installed. I was like, well, there you go. So that's how you can steal from the pawn shop uh, as a customer. Now, (laughs) also, well, the pawn shop, though, which is a long storied history, is how you can steal from it as an employee. And that is when shit gets wacky. Because, again, it's an all-cash business. That's that's Mm. differing a little bit. Some shops are starting to take payments on credit cards and debit cards over the phone. But I'm talking up until three years ago, it was... All people, people call, hey, I, I'm on the road. I can't come in and pay my loan. Can I pay her on the phone? Nope. <laughs> you right. gotta come, you gotta come in and make those payments. That's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. auto pay for that shit. Yeah, yeah. You, you can buy stuff on your debit card. You can make lay, layaway payments on your debit card. Yeah, but you, when it comes to loan, we, we, we gave you cash, you give us cash. Yeah. And so, yeah, so as a result, a lot of cash coming in and out all day. So the classic, this is just like the bread and butter of ripping off a pawn shop if you work there. It's called ghost loans. And it it's what 90% of the things that happen, if it's not if it's not a ghost loan, it's a derivative or a weird mock-up of a ghost loan. Basically, I, you know, um, I'm at the counter. I start typing up a loan as though there's a customer in front of me uh, saying that somebody's bringing me in a 
a PlayStation uh, 3, and I, I go to somebody's account, you can either make one, uh, or what some people will do is they will go to, uh, they'll find customers that haven't pawned in like 10 years, but they have a 100% pickup rate. So you can justify all sorts of crazy bumps. You can go, well, yeah, I knew that we gave them 100 normally on the PS3s, but I mean, look, they got a 100% pickup rate, I gave them 140. Yeah. And so that's 140 on a PS3 that, I don't know, do you want to go grab one off the shelf and put it back there? Or do you want to just say you don't know what the fuck happened to it? Like, there's all sorts of things you can do. Uh, you can put one in with a fake serial number, but at the end of the day, um, especially if you're in a management position and you're the one walking the loans at the end of the night and saying, okay, you know, Billy said he gave $300 for a, a, a bike and here's the bike. I'm going to initial that. You're, and serial numbers match. You're supposed to do that every day. It's called walking the loans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not organized, if you're disorganized as a pawn shop manager, your people will steal from you. It's just because it's if, if like if it's just chaos and there's just yeah. cash coming, cash going, who gives a shit at that point? So, yeah, so you write that loan and then the loan comes out and sometimes you just can't find stuff. Sometimes somebody pays, you know, somebody pawns something and you spend all day looking for it and you go, I can't fucking find it. I don't know. And sometimes it fell behind a case. It got mislabeled and whatever. But, right. you know. There it goes. And at the end of the day, the 150 is, you know, the drawer's going to be $150 over. Now you take the $150 is out the drawer. You know, nobody's the wiser until they have an audit. Uh, audits used to be done by third-party companies that would come in and audit with scrutiny. And then uh, I started working for the company again a couple years later, and they were like, I was like, oh, uh, who does the audit still? Is it Gabriel? And he goes, no, no, they send us the guns. I was like, they send you the guns. <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, the guns got there. My manager, like, we were doing the fucking... The scanning. Oh, and he goes, the scan. You mean like the little scanny guns? Yeah, the little scanny guns. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, he's like, hey, how, how many of those are supposed to have? Three. How many are there? One. He'd be like, beep, beep, beep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's fucking just silly season at that point. Uh, so that's that's a big way that people do that. Um, also, some more creative ones that you can do. Uh, obviously, there's just walking shit out the door. There's straight cash sales. That happens a lot. People get fired for that all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. That's because it's just, you know, especially you have like bulk tools. Like bulk tools, like people come in, they got like a bucket of screwdrivers, and I'm not going to give each one of these things an item number. I'm going to say, okay, bucket of screwdrivers, they're all American made. Uh, $25 for the bucket. You know, you got, you got like 40 screwdrivers. When they drop out for sale, you just dump them in a fucking trough in the tool section and there's guys that come in there and their whole day is just trying to find little obscure millimeter wrenches and shit and mm. so somebody comes in they got a whole thing full of wrenches they go you 10 bucks for these you go yeah the, maybe the register you're like no i got it you know you take 10 that happens all the time people yep. get lunch you money just that pocket way. that money and dump it into the <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, boom. yeah yeah they just they, they walk out with the wrenches and you know fucking boss is like hey what they need oh nothing <laughs> yeah and so um what i saw happen uh, several times, or no, well, one time. So, one time somebody pawned, and this one, this one, uh, a store manager got fired for this. This was like a big deal. Uh, so somebody came in and pawned a uh, necklace that they got three thousand dollars for. It was a solid gold rope necklace, like it was like you know from the eighties and shit. It was just like it had a lot of weight to it. Really mm -hmm. valuable piece. Big. Like, I'm imagining like do you know Dynasty, the TV show Dynasty? Yes. I'm imagining like a Dynasty level like. Something yeah. you'd wear with a puff sleeve gown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except this one was probably, if this one I imagined, it was like a gold rope chain and it probably had like a, a, an initial hanging from it at some point. Oh, okay. <laughs> Slightly like a, different vibe. Yeah, like a G or a Jester hat, perhaps. You Got know? it. <laughs> so, so this person had this, uh, this, this thing they pawned and uh, the store manager was this younger kid who was like the wonder kid at Easy Pawn and they fucking, he got a store by the time he was like 22. And uh, so he's working at this other company and they pawn the thing, and they come back. So basically, they, they don't come back to get it. But if it drops out for sale, you know, he's going to have to, if he wants that item, uh, if he wants that gold chain, he's going to have to pay, you know, 
retail plus, or not retail, but our selling price minus his employee discount. And so this dude decided, well, what if I just have somebody come in and quote unquote, pick up the chain as though it's them. Right. And so he waited for the last day it was due to where it was like, okay, these people aren't coming in. Right. Tried to give him as much time as he could before he basically stole from them. Yeah. 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 And then he had his homeboy come in and he just was like, you know, oh, hey, Mr. Smith, whose name is on the loan, who you definitely are. Here's the the three thousand dollars worth of gold that we gave you four hundred dollars for and you're paying it for four hundred and eighty, you know, meet me after work. Now this guy just bought a three thousand dollar gold chain for four hundred and eighty bucks. Sure. Well, these people came back a couple days late and it was like an heirloom family thing. So they're like calling like, Oh my God, can you please just see if it's been sent off to because we were like, yo, they got sent off or we didn't say this shit. I didn't work at the store. A homeboy was like, Yeah, it got sent off to go to get melted down. I'm so sorry. That's what we do the minute it drops. And they were like, oh no, no. So they called the, so was uh, the guy was the guy who said that covering for the manager, or did he really think that's what happened to it? Uh, he he was he was covering, or no, he thought that's what happened. Okay. So he's just he's just re- reciting the facts. The manager wasn't there to like head it off in the pass, right? And so I just didn't know if he like looked it up and was like, I thought you picked that up, but he was just like, oh no, we don't have it anymore. It's past. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, we, we don't have it. So, it down. Yeah, so they finally they like called uh, the the area manager. And we're like, oh my god, this is like my my grandpa's chain or whatever. Can you please look this up? And he goes, yeah, well, no, it says that you guys picked it up. And they're like, Uh-oh. what? And they're like, so you picked it up. And so he called the store manager and was like, hey, what happened to the, the, the you know, the, this family's chain? He goes, oh, it dropped out for, it dropped out. I, I sent it off to Mel. And, and he goes, I'm going to give you one more chance to say the truth. And like, he was like, uh, I went and bought it. He's like, okay, you got to the end of business day to take care of this, but you're still fired. Or right, then wow. we won't call the cops. So that, in a way, the the family who wanted that chain was actually really lucky that he did that because otherwise yeah. it would have gotten they, yeah they would have it would have got it would have gotten melted down yeah because there's no way like like you're not gonna sell the fucking you know a thirty six hundred dollar dookie rope in twenty seventeen you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. gonna happen. like you're gonna melt that down for gold and make a ton of money so um, yeah there's there's that uh, let's see now this is another interesting one that I saw happen one time we had um, a bunch of bikes get stolen. From like from that were in pawn, they were in a, a storage container in our back. Somebody snapped the fucking locks, climbed it over the fence, you know, like in the middle of the night, and stole like five or six bikes and damaged a bunch more trying to get them off of the main lock. Mm-hmm. And so we were told that the people who were coming in, basically, if you want the money for that bike, you still have to pay off the loan. So it's like yeah. your bike got stolen, but you know, you still have a loan. So if you're not paying off that loan, we're not gonna seriously discuss re- reimbursing you for the bike because technically yeah. our bike got stolen, not yours. Right. So but Let's say you're one of those customers that has an emotional attachment to that bike, and you're like, ah, I'm going to pay off the interest for seven more months, and then I'm going to get it out. And your interest is $100 a month, and you've been paying off 700 bucks a month. Like, Wouldn't you just rather know that the fucking bike got stolen and you could just not pay that anymore? Right. Yeah. But no, we, we, were, we were instructed to not tell the customers uh, that, their, that their bike was stolen. That's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. That's, so, and, that's and, so shitty. And it was one of the guys that brought us, that's those guys brought us briskets from the fucking barbecue restaurant they no, worked at. It was the, it was the, brisket, the guy. brisket guy. It was the brisket guy. Yeah. Aww. So yeah, that that is that is how employees can steal from the pawn shop. And I wanted <laughs> to ride out on just three of what I feel are the greatest hits okay. of, of pawn shop corruption that I've seen. I don't know if this episode's going a little long. But uh, yeah, it's a supersized one. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll go we'll go out after your greatest hits. Yeah. So, all right. the The first one where I saw like just how just how crooked it could get at the pawn shop was uh, I went to the Copper's Cove branch of a store, and the Colleen branch. One of the managers got um you know hey bad news everybody, our girl's got cancer out there at the at the Colleen store. Oh my god, everybody's sending her get well cards. She's talking about 
all the uh, you know all the treatments that she's getting and all this stuff. Well, my boss's daughter was her assistant manager. It's all in the family at this place, and so she's like she was studying to be a nurse. So she's telling the lady like, "Hey, you know, I can help you. What are they doing for your this treatment? This treatment?" The lady Uh-oh, didn't have the answer. I see yeah, where this is going. Didn't have the answer. So everybody's kind of like, "That's weird that she's faking cancer." And then she was like, "Or that's kind of a little scared." But nobody said anything. And then she goes, "Hey, she stepped down as manager due to my medical stuff. I'm gonna go ahead and bow out." Mm. And then. Uh, her next audit comes up, which was on the docket. It was coming up in like two or three weeks. Audit comes up, thirty six thousand in ghost loans, thirty six thousand dollars worth of merchandise just not wow. there. Wow! Holy shit! I hope yeah. she was like, I'm sorry. I just, I my cancer made me do it. I yeah, was confused. I, I have cancer of the impulse control. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wi- that's wild to go for one from like scam because faking an illness is itself a scam to cover yeah. your other scam. Yeah, wild. yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Second greatest hits uh, was when there was a uh, an air. This is when I had this idea that I wanted to get transferred to a pawn shop in Seguin, Texas, to continue dating a girl who was going to Texas State. Aww. <laughs> I oftentimes I wake up in a cold sweat, like, oh, thank God I did not do that. <laughs> I, I almost got. You I would almost, be a totally different person if you yeah, did that. And I, I had just started doing comedy, so I was like, "Yeah, I can just bounce around between. The, I can just bounce around between the San Antonio and San Marcos scene." Oh my <laughs> oh, god, oh, dude! You would you would have become you would have become like a Rio Grande Valley comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would have just been yeah I would have been yeah like you know me like I, I had to get baptized in like the uh, the waters of Austin to like give me some some perspective in life. I would not <laughs> have got that down there. That's but, the thing. Like it's funny because I do feel like I feel like a lot of people we know probably could benefit from like living in a place like Seguin but like yeah. you're so like because like I like people like like I'm sheltered the other way like yeah, I yeah, could yeah, probably yeah. go to Seguin and like learn a thing or two but like yeah. you needed to come to Austin yeah, and yeah. like <laughs> learn some yeah. shit about life that way yeah you gotta see what the other side is like man you have to and so <laughs> So I wanted to go. So I like there was this this manager he was, and he was a new guy. He was this guy named Terry, and he came in. And I worked with all women. I was the only. I was the youngest guy by like the youngest employee by like ten years, and I was the only male. So I, I kind of had like four four moms that I worked with. Love the ladies yep. to death. All really cool. Um, yeah, my, I bet I, that seems like I feel like you were probably a hit. I feel like yeah, you guys yeah, probably yeah. got along great. You and four oh, moms. Man. Yeah, yeah. My my ex one time was like, I told her how I prefer having female managers, and she like just scathed me. She was like, You don't prefer having female, ma- you don't prefer a female management style. She's like, You just know how to make older women look at you like their son. You never have to do any work. <laughs> and I was just like, Ah, just eviscerated, <laughs> eviscerated in truth. But uh, so yeah, I, I worked there, and I, I wasn't getting a lot of like. I don't know. I was the youngest guy, and like I, I wasn't getting any upward mobility. And I really thought that's what I yeah. wanted to do. So this, 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 this man, this new area manager re- replaces old uh, Una Armpit. Uh, he comes into town, and he's this guy named Terry, and he's there, and he just like comes to the store, and he's like talking. Oh man! About- First of all, I just want to say I'm like I'm definitely going to recommend this episode to um, listeners of Street Fight Radio because I feel like it's really up their alley. And uh, they have a whole thing about dudes named Terry. Just oh, like, yeah. <laughs> cool. just like yeah, it's yeah. a real, it's a real type. And I feel like any Terry involved in a pawn shop story is like a total yeah. Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just yeah, Terry to a T. Tell and me about so, Terry. So Terry, Terry comes in. Uh, he definitely. I guess I don't say saw me coming, but he basically was like, "Oh, this kid wants to like move up." So he's like talking about this shit. He's got me like on his side and stuff. And then one day we get our pawn shop gets flooded. Crazy rains, pawn shop gets flooded. We had to destroy, basically when the shit gets flooded, you have to destroy the merchandise to get an insurance claim on it. So they don't think you're trying to like fuck them over, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So you have to make have to it like unsellable. Basically. Yeah, to make it unsellable. So we had a whole day where Terry came in with his wife and his son, who was my age, and they gave us each um, jack handles, to like a, a floor jack, is like a metal pipe, and our thing was just smashed up all day. It was pretty fucking tight. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so fun. So me and his son, who were like we're pretty close in age, we're just like shooting the shit. They just moved down from Joplin, Missouri, and we're fucking smashing this uh, this fucking TV up, and uh, me and his son are talking, and then like. They, they brought out a, a tray of digital cameras and uh, they were like, okay, I had a hammer in my hand. I was like, they took the picture and I was like, because they take the picture, you destroy it and they take another picture. So I went to go destroy it and Terry was like, hey, 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 Pat, those are pretty nice digital cameras. I was like, yeah, they're pretty nice. He was like, you want one? I was like, oh, I, mean, I can't take one. He goes, no, seriously, take one, man. We're just destroying it. I was like, okay. He's an area manager. So I took, I took one. He goes, take two. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I took two. He goes, Terry. He goes, take as many as you want, man. And so, you know, it doesn't take much. Don't hit me with a good time, Terry. So <laughs> I just start gobbling up these digital cameras and I run and put them in my car. And I come back and it turns out he's been doing this all over the store that day. Take this, take this, take this. People are walking out with fucking TVs. It's getting nutty. And we're all like, what's happening? And our boss is furious. She's looking, she's like, I can't believe how some of my employees are acting right now. This is disgusting. Mid-sentence, her son pulls up. <laughs> and fucking, she had a fucking speaker waiting for him. So he gets a speaker. So everybody's <laughs> got, everybody's got blood on their hands at the end of the day. Yep. And this motherfucker... At the end of the day, walks out with a brand new Xbox 360 and a brand new laptop right off the shelf. Not flood damage, nothing. Just walks out with it. What are we going to say? What are we going to tell him? Yeah. Well, then, so a couple weeks go by, Terry gets uh, Terry gets suspected of stealing more Xboxes from the Waco store, which is like the corporate headquarters as well as the store. So the area manager is being suspected of stealing a bunch of Xboxes. I so feel they, like Terry flooded the store on purpose. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, he, I never, maybe he did because it gets <laughs> even weirder. So they go and they confront him and he storms out of the meeting by taking a call and saying, oh God, my son was bitten by a rattlesnake and they think he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> what? So the son that I was smashing TVs with all day supposedly got bit by a goddamn rattlesnake. <laughs> and so he just dips out of the meeting and just never shows up to work again. <laughs> never comes back. He's just done. Never goes up. What an exit. Up, what an incredible yeah. exit. They, the, the last thing we heard about him was that he defrauded a radio station doing a charity drive back in Missouri. Wow. And then my boss, with complete sincerity to her voice, goes, you know what I also heard? Was that he's a part of a band of Irish gypsies. <laughs> sure. I believe it. Yeah, maybe he is. <laughs> so... Uh, and then finally, that's that's the other one. And this is the this is the, the be all and end all pawn shop schemes, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm dropping names. I'm showing receipts on this one because fuck this entire family. Uh, <laughs> Easy Pawn was started by a guy named Corby Logue, and it's one of the biggest pawn shops in the nation. It was started in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's all over the nation, publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Corby then stepped away from Easy Pawn and started National Pawn with. His sons and his sons from his first marriage made up like the corporate hierarchy. And then below them was the sons from his third marriage, sons and daughters from his third marriage. And they ran like a lot of the executive stuff. And then in between, there was the son that he had with like a lady he was married to for like a year. And wow. that guy was like the Joe Bluth of the family. And he fucking This is like a fucking fable. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so. They ran this pawn shop company, and they were, I'll tell you, they were good. They were the kind of guys they could look at a sheet of numbers and tell if somebody was stealing. Like, they yeah. they ran a tight fucking ship. Well, I get hired there, and Corby, who's like the face of the company, he's the, the oldest son of, of Corky, 
Corky Logue and Corby Logue. Corby, I'm getting, I'm filling it out one day. He goes, so he's like, this, he's all like showing me off like his new toy. And he goes, this is Patrick. We're moving him to the airport store. I've always said, uh, I, I, I got to have every, I got to have one of everything at my stores. I got, uh, I got a skinny Mexican guy. I got a fat Mexican guy. I got a really tall black guy. And now I got whatever pawn shop needs, a fat white guy. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thanks. And so... <laughs> I'm Meanwhile, so glad I'm a pawn shop type. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I already knew I was, and he just cemented it. Really hurt my feelings. <laughs> and so, so then while I'm sitting there talking, the uh, female manager of the gold, of their like higher end store in West Austin, it was called Gold uh, Golden Silver or Gold Pawn or something like that. It mm-hmm. was like same company, but it was like, hey, West Austin, come and pawn your fucking expensive skis and your 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 watches and diamonds right. with us. And so it's the higher end pawn shop. And Angela was a pretty, you know, pretty good looking lady, uh, Hispanic lady, and maybe maybe her late thirties. And so she comes in, he goes, "Oh, this is Angela. I jokingly call her my work wife." Ha 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 And I was like, mm, "Okay, I think y'all are doing the grown folk." But and so <laughs> so I start working. They just turned to be just a fucking shitty family. They're just really whack. It really sucked to work for. And then one day, it turns out that old Angela over at the Gold Pond had like. Something like seventy thousand dollars that fiscal year alone in ghost loans of shit that just wasn't there. And so they start going back, and I ran into a, I ran into the guy Chris, uh, the, the yogurt guy who fucking body slammed that dude in the parking lot with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bumped into him just a couple nights ago. We drunkenly were talking about this. He said when all the dust settled over the course of like several years. Quarter of a million dollars is what this lady got away with. God damn! And then so they start. They were like, "Well, we got a persecutor." And Corby's like, "Well, hold on. Let's not just let's be a little careful." And then like she was like, basically like, "Yeah, Corby, if you fucking say anything, I'll release all the information about our affair." And so yeah, yeah, she really so, she had yeah, this figured out. Yeah, so it was like it got to like again we 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 touch back to this all the time with the casino. Either you're stupid or you're in on it. What, what was going on here? Did you right. not realize the lady that you were fucking was stealing a quarter million dollars from us, Corby? Or did you know about it and didn't say anything? Which is it? Either way, he was like the public face of the company. He was all over our fucking, like, you know, our pages. And, you know, like, he had to step down. They sold the pawn shop, the company, and now it just completely defunct. All of their stores are uh, tumbleweeds in front of them. One of them was that big-ass pawn shop on Cesar Chavez in 35 where they do, like, event yep. parking for South By. That was them. That's just a shuttered building now. <laughs> all because Corby, Corby's work wife was, you know, definitely <laughs> his real wife. Yeah. But, um, Holy shit. Yeah, so that is that. That's the uh, worth it. Yeah, if you can ever come into owning a pawn shop, f and do it because it's <laughs> yeah, it's real. Um, maybe don't carry on extramarital affairs with people who are just definitely trying to steal from you, or if you do, just be ready for what happens. But I'd say overall, worth it. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, so well, yeah. The, Thank you so much for uh, finally doing the long-awaited pawn shop episode. Yeah, I know yeah. there are a lot of good stories about the pawn shop sprinkled into all of our other episodes too. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a if you guys like, I'm I I think people will really like this one. But if you liked it, definitely check out our other episodes to hear yeah. many pawn shop anecdotes from yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I've got literally I have at least two for every day I worked there. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, guys, if you like what you heard, this is a free episode. Thank you for listening. We do uh, two bonus episodes a month on our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. And you can find us on Twitter at LCS Podcast. I'm on Twitter at at PZTX. Uh, usually I'd have shows to tell you about, but... You know, the world ended, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> Kath, I know Kath has a few places you can find her out there. 
Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to say about our Patreon, though. We, we have a uh, Patreon goal at the moment where when we get to $1,000 a month in Patreon pledges, uh, we're going to start releasing episodes weekly. So instead of one free episode a month, we'll do two free episodes a month and two bonus. Um, yep. We're pretty close. We're like maybe $200 away. So Yeah, it, it, it jumped up. We were like, we were hovering around like 740, 750 uh, the other day. And we're like, we're like closing in on, on, on 800. So. Yeah, so if you like what you hear, it really helps us out um, if you have the five bucks a month. If not, though, thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, thank you guys I, so much. It really does It really does mean a lot. Um, it, it, Catherine, yeah, where, can, where can we find you out there? I have uh, another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive, which comes out every week. Um, it's about uh, weird, funny uh, news stories. Um, I'm Kath Barbadoro on everything, although I've, I just deactivated my Twitter, and like it's kind of great, so... Oh, word? Look look me up on Twitter and see if I've changed my mind. But right now I don't have it and like it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah. Man, that doesn't um, sound bad at all, actually. <laughs> my other podcast is What a Time Pod on Twitter. So check that out. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up. Find us out there. Um, you know, have a good day. Stay safe. Be smart. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next Love time. You guys. Bye. Bye.